Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It just looks like a regular link to the green room. I know. It just takes you to the app. It doesn't help at all. But the one I did for uh, Bosco's Boys, it was a legit link. It took you directly to the discussion. Well, Kyle found us. Is he on? Yeah. Hey. All right, we ready to get started? (laughs) Yeah, let's get started. (laughs) All right. All right, but welcome in to a, another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Uh, tonight we're doing something a little different. We're doing a live show here on Spotify Green Room. I'm your host, Spencer, joined as always by Michael. Hello, everybody. Uh, we, we have no idea what we're doing. It's fantastic. No. Uh, I'm very no excited whatsoever. about this. We do have one listener. So, as I – we do. And, and Kyle, thanks for joining. We'll, we'll bring you on in just a second. We wanted to talk about a couple of things. One, we can talk about some fall camp, um, give a, I guess, a, a realignment update, but then talk about the media day that was last week for Texas Tech, the seniors uh, and the captains that were announced, uh, and then get into probably some far too early predictions uh, and just overall gut feelings about what Texas Tech football will look like this fall. Question mark? Um, Maybe. Yeah. So, so with that, we're obviously we're we're here on on Spotify Green Room. You can follow us, Spencer and Michael here. Um, you can catch us when we go live. We will be doing live shows like this one each and every Saturday um, after Texas Tech football games to do our instant reactions. Um. You can all also, as always, follow us on Twitter, the the podcast account at twenty three personnel. You can follow me, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore L B K. Um, and for those that are catching the recording of this, uh, if you want to join us on Spotify Green Room, you need to download the app, as it is the live audio only sports talk platform. It's free to download and to use. You can talk to us. Um, Michael, other fans in real time. It'll be perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Um, start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Joining conversations, we'll be hosting rooms like this every Saturday evening through the fall. Join us, talk with us live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app. It's free in the iOS and Google Play Android app stores. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. 
follow us, me, Spencer, so Spencer Rogers, and Michael McDonald, and be notified when our room goes live. Come with your spiciest updates. So, one, um, with that out of the way, we're going to bring on Kyle as we get started. Kyle, thanks for helping us test this out. Welcome. How you doing, man? Maybe I might be on mute, Kyle. Anyways, we're we're, we're figuring this out as we go. Um, <laughs> no, so, sorry, everybody. <laughs> to kick this off, well, so part of this is, um, so I'm on vacation this week with the family. I'm in Dallas, but wanted to continue bringing the the podcast to you guys, and we also wanted to give give uh, Spotify Green Room a shot. So um, we'll be talking realignment. Um, Gonna, I guess, an update after Bowlesby and Klyevkov's meeting with uh, Pac-12. Um, I mean, it's been fairly, fairly quiet since since that meeting. We haven't heard any any kind of reactions or um, updates, feelings about where the Pac-12 is at, other than general negative feelings to adding teams from the Big Twelve. Yeah, Michael, really, is, is that your? That's really it. I mean, aside from negative impact on recruiting, which I think is something we've we brushed on a little bit last podcast, but I think that's becoming more and more apparent. You know, Tech has not done a good job recruiting, at least on ratings in the last several years, and this is not helping to not really know what conference you'll be in or when or who will be there and what kind of visibility you'll have because this will matter to a lot of players but I haven't really seen anything with conference realignment aside from what we already know everybody's just still speculating what could happen and it seems like one of the most reliable or maybe not reliable but one of the most probable scenarios is just some form of alliance with the Pac-12 until it all folds under uh, in 2025. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, as as fast and furious as this all went down with Texas and Oklahoma, obviously we were, we're finding out that uh, a lot of this was in the works for several months going back into the spring. Um, you would think that while there would need to be some, some tactics behind it and trying to figure out the best place to land, that – uh, being in this this limbo here of not knowing what the future conference alignment is going to look like for teams like Texas Tech or Oklahoma State, uh, definitely not going to help. You're, you're obviously going to get a lot of steam rolling for Texas and OU as they're going to the SEC um, as they continue to build and restructure their their rosters to compete in that league, but. Um, you know, in in the meantime, while while everything's still trying to be figured out, definitely not a place of strength for Texas Tech as they're um, just kind of left wondering what may happen. So, but not much has has come out like we said since uh, since that since we knew that Bowlesby was meeting with the Pac-12. Um, we 
heard maybe that there were, would be a similar type of meeting with the ACC. Um, but for sure, nothing concrete like we heard with the Pac-12. Um, and then, Michael, you found that um, that the Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, Podcast, Republic of Texas, um, posed a question of, of Texas Tech, does the Red Raiders have the best linebacker core in the conference? Were you able to give that podcast a listen? I, I did. It's it's a good listen. Uh, go check it out if you're not already fans of the Republic of Texas podcast. They they break down everything with within the state. So what they did this last week. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Was talk a little bit more about Texas State in Texas Tech, and it's hosted by Shahan Jairaja and Ishmael Johnson. And I forget if it was Ishmael or Shahan. Yeah, we're on first-name basis. I forget who brought it up, but one of them brought up, does Texas Tech have the best linebacker core in the conference? And they both pretty much agreed. They, they sort of tried to uh, – you know, go into Texas being up there, but I think they ultimately settled on Texas Tech having that core. And that got me excited because I've thought that for a while, um, especially this last, over this last off season, but to see someone else actually chime in and kind of feel the same way. And, and, you know, they're, they're impartial. I'm obviously not impartial. Shahan, I think went to Baylor, but you know, that's neither here nor there. I I had a lot of trouble arguing with that. I mean, do you have any issue with claiming that Tech may have the best linebackers in the conference? Sorry, you were breaking up there for a second. I don't know if it's just on on my end or or not there at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard when you look at all all of the players on the roster, uh, the the transfers, all that kind of stuff, the depth there with the linebackers for certain has, has certainly uh, been impressive to watch has been, I think a, a position. Um, I mean, you, you look at, across the defense and I don't think you can say, you know, for Texas tech uh, historically, like if only this one position group could be better, um, you know, it, it felt like it's been like a, a rotating thing of, well, if the, if the defensive line could help provide more pressure or that could, Help slow on the run. Maybe the back end of the defense would look better um, if if the linebackers weren't chasing everything around, you know. Um, but it, it it felt like the linebackers were kind of the the group that was really not talked about a whole lot. It was either like the defensive line or the defensive backs. Um, 
but I think we've seen, I mean, and, and, and been a little, um, I, I guess, spoiled by just the upgrade in talent in that group going, you know, dating back to, to Dakota Allen. Um, and when, when, when he really took off and then Rico Jeffers and, um, just the group that you've got now with Merriweather and Boyer Randall, all the, you know, he, he may, may be more of like an outsider, um, defensive end, but like that group you've got, like I said, with Jeffers, um, it's just, it's a group that I think you can really build a defense around. Um, so looking across the rest of the conference, like obviously the, the, the first couple of, of, of schools that pop up would be Texas and Oklahoma. Um, and without having gone into the research of what their rosters look like as a fan of Texas tech and as um, a Homer here, you know, it's hard to say that like, Oh, for sure that they, another school has better linebackers than we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really solid core. Uh, and it's a backbone of a defense, uh, especially kind of in this league where people are throwing short passes and running the ball too, and just just trying to get some short yardage plays. I, I feel pretty confident about Tech's secondary, which is a kind of a scary claim to make, but I, I feel pretty <laughs> confident about them this year. Some good transfers coming in, uh, you know, some veteran leadership now because they've. You know, we've got guys that have been back there in their third season or starting in their third season, maybe fourth, some of them. So I, I feel a little bit better about that. But this this was a good podcast to check out uh, for those of y'all. It's It poses a lot of good questions and kind of goes in pretty in-depth with with Tech's team. If you listen to people cover Tech, uh, sometimes they it's obvious they're not as close to the team as we are, but the guys on the Republic of Texas, it's, it's, they do a really solid job. It makes you feel like they, they follow the team just as much as, as anyone else that uh, graduated from here. Yeah. It, it's definitely a group that, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to watch play this fall. Like you, you mentioned that the defensive backs and how, you know, feeling like there's some confidence there is a scary proposition, but looking at the, the transfers, uh, and just the, the depth and experience that are there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you in like, I want to believe in the defensive backs. <laughs> um, but for sure, I, you know, I, I, I think the, the linebackers are definitely a group that, that I'm, I'm really interested in watching as they continue to get better. And, you know, the, the names I mentioned earlier, I, I didn't even, you know, I left off. Colin Schooler, who obviously was really good for you guys last year for Texas Tech. Um, but, yeah, it's just a group that I think can really continue to solidify the growth and development of that defense. Um, so, yeah, before we get too far into the, the fall camp slash preseason camp thing, I wanted to bring up Don Williams, the Lubbock AJ's sports guru. Great follow on Twitter. AJ underscore Don Williams. But anyway, he he got into it this week. Uh, not got into it, but just weighed in on preseason camp versus fall camp versus anything like that. And his thoughts, I, I found myself agreeing with him. 
He said, it never feels like fall in Lubbock this time of year. It's preseason practice or August workouts, any combination of those words. And then he goes on to another pet peeve of his. And he's like, they're open dates, not bye weeks. The bye is around. You don't have to play in a tournament. Which I've never considered that as a pet peeve of mine. But now I probably will. I'm probably on board with that now. But I'm going to try so, to say preseason workouts, but I'm sure I'll go back to fall camp just because it's shorter. As much as, as I like to poke fun at Don for, like, calling outside receivers the split in and the flanker, um, I I don't have as much of an issue with that stance as I do with the just the the older terms for positions, <laughs> which is interesting. Well, that's a weird that's a weird one to hop onto. Well, no, because it's like, um, you know, I, I mentioned it a week or so ago, and I, I can't remember what exactly it was referring to, but I was talking about, like, you can obviously tell somebody that's worked or that has followed from football for a long time if they refer to receivers, especially outside receivers, as split ends and flankers, um, you know, instead of just wide receiver or, you know, even some of the more um, – Modern terms where they, they they just label it with the, the the letters you know X Y or Z I guess Y is more of an inside receiver but like yeah or the H just that, when they talk about yeah and and just Don is a treasure let's just put it that way he is where he is he's fantastic um did did you see this is going back a little bit but did you see in in Big Twelve media days when Don had the first question how Matt Wells' face just like lit up. He, he realized he's going to be getting the first question. Don is like, yes, Don, we're here for you. <laughs> um, so fall camp officially underway. Had media day last week. Um, friend of the show, Rob Bro, uh, you know, reached out an invite and said, hey, if you guys are free, uh, we could use some help covering. And we're both like, ooh, would, but can't. <laughs> Super busy. I know. Um, I we were know. getting ready to go out of town. Of us. I, I would have loved to go and help cover, especially do some of the interviews. Because I, I watch a lot of the interviews he's done with players uh, on video, and they're great. One I watched recently was uh, just like the thumbnail caught my attention. Uh, and it was of defensive end transfer Tyree Wilson, who came in from Texas A&M. Um, and what, what caught my attention by the thumbnail was just how broad – shouldered this man is um his <laughs> he looked like he had been um you know not missing any of the upper body workouts on top of just being just wide in the upper i, I don't know how else to describe it large human being and then uh throughout the interview super genuine uh and he was talking about how Making the, the decision to transfer to Texas Tech was obviously the right one. Um, so, obviously, you can find a lot of the, the coverage of of the media days over on Stake in the Plains, uh, where we've got, or I say we, where Seth helped do the transcript slash non-transcript of the press conferences from Coach Matt Wells and then from the coordinators. Um, actually have... Seth in the room with us tonight. Seth, you want to speak a little bit about what your your overall impressions were from those opening press conference sessions were? You bet. So can you guys hear me? Loud and clear, man. Hello, Seth. Yes, welcome. 
What up? Uh, okay, first of all, so you guys talked about fall camp and uh, preseason camp and that you were going to fall into the line of uh, Don Williams. And then as you introed into this segment, Spencer said, so as we get ready to fall camp. Oh, yeah, I noticed it. So, <laughs> so, so as I was, you know, trying to figure out exactly how I was supposed to use the app, I realized that I probably needed Dr. Rick's help and that you guys are now agreeing with Don Williams. And so maybe you need Dr. Rick's help too. Uh, so I just found all this a little bit amusing. Um, anyway. Okay. So back to the question, which is what I thought about the opening interviews. One, Keith Patterson and Sonny Cumbie talk incredibly quickly. Makes it really hard to type. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it was just good to kind of see all the guys in the same room. So that was fun. I think that they all enjoyed being in front of humans again. And, uh, I don't necessarily know that I learned anything new. They didn't drop any depth charts or who's in front of who or anything like that. Um, I think I probably found of all the things that I found the most interesting, it was who the team voted to be team captain which I can't remember them off the top of my head. There were like six seniors, 13 total players perhaps, or something like that. And Tyler Shuck was one of the captains. So I found that probably the most interesting of all the things that, um, that you know, I think that we are all presuming that Shuck is going to be the quarterback, but um, I think that probably confirms it more than anything else. Yeah, so so let's talk about that for a second. The, the team captains, uh, something that we saw Wells bring in is that he's not limited to just the three or four guys that go out. Um, you know, he lets the team vote and the, the top, you know, however many are, are selected. Um, and the captains for this year are linebacker Colin Schooler, linebacker Rico Jeffers, offensive lineman Josh Berger, defensive back Demarcus Fields. Uh, transfer defensive back Muddy Waters, um, receiver McLean Mannix, offensive lineman Dawson Deaton, defensive lineman Tony Bradford, quarterback Tyler Shuck, defensive lineman Jalen Hutchings, wide receiver Eric Ezukanma, running back Sir Roderick Thompson, and offensive lineman Caleb Rogers. And on that list of 13 players, six of them are seniors. And I think if I remember correctly from the, the announcement, the Wells video, six are on offense and seven are on defense. So it's fairly evenly split between offense and defense and not just all seniors. But so to, to, to Seth's point, looking at um, Tyler Shuck being named one of the, of, of the captains, you know, we've heard that there is a quarterback competition and, and, and you know, Wells has said it immediate day and, continue to go on and talk about how the quarterback room may be the most talented um, it's ever been. And what we all interpreted that to mean was since he's been there. Um, but are, are you guys under the impression that this is more of a, like just a, another step in the direction of Tyler Shuck will be the quarterback. Like everybody already sees it on the team or is this just, they're rallying around the guy they they just enjoy being around. Uh, I'll I'll hop in because it's it's got to be Shuck, right? I mean, and of course Wells had to say there's a QB competition because of course there is. It's August, 
you can't get away from it. Uh, and, you know, it's a tradition that has been going on since, I don't know if Tuberville did it as much, but Kingsbury certainly did and would just hold who was going to start up until the coin toss or whatever. So it's it's kind of frustrating. I get why they do it. Uh, I guess because Holgerson's over there completely scheming around Donovan Smith just in case. Um, so <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure that's see, why they do it. I would love to see a, a, a package or two for, for Donovan Smith. I just don't, I, I, you know, if, if, if we're down to, to him, I, I think we're, we're in the realm of needing to adjust our expectations for 2021. Well, I think too that um, well said that if Chuck earns it within the first week, well then great. He'll just name him. So he wasn't going to have a ton of suspense from what I gathered. I think that he just wanted Chuck to earn it more than anything else. That was the general impression I got. I could be wrong, but I don't think that he was trying to be secretive. I think Kingsbury was always trying to be more secretive than, yeah. than for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, okay, you're going to make another team prepare for a few guys. And I think that of anything, I think Wells feels like that Sonny Cumbie's new offense is probably the more thing that he's going to surprise on Houston than anything else. So I could be again wrong about that, but it seems as if that's, you know, he's not letting on to a whole lot about what that offense may be uh, other than maybe what we saw in the spring game. So what's up guys, Kyle. Hey, Hey, Y'all are, not gonna be- y'all are not going to believe how I figured out uh, to get audio on this thing. Did you have to plug it up like the headset? Microphone? No. No. I, so going back to our Dr. Rick conversation on Twitter earlier, um, Seth was asking how to use this app. And just joking with him, I said, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? And so I exited and entered this room like three times and literally could not hear anything. I checked my settings, all this stuff, turned my phone off, turned it back on. And when I logged back in, I could hear you guys. I swear that's what did it. <laughs> well, welcome Kyle. We're, we're happy to, to have you, you here as well as Seth. We're talking about the preseason camp, summer practices. Um, we, we talked about the the captains obviously and how, uh, there may or may not be a meaning behind Tyler Shuck being named a captain. Do you have a, a feel on, you know, what, like, is is that just a move or, or do you think that Shuck will be the guy? Are you asking me? I'm asking Kyle for sure. Oh, okay. Um, I can only go based on what my eyes tell me. And from what I can see, Tyler Shuck has the best head of lettuce of all the quarterbacks on the roster. Um, Columbia is up there, but I think if you're going off that important metric, then Shuck has to be the guy. Well, so I don't know if, if you've seen recent pictures, it's, I mean, when you talk about his, his head of lettuce, it isn't like it's a, it's a full main, like we see with some of the, the baseball players, especially towards the end of the season. I mean, he's got it, he's got it trimmed uh, down a little bit uh, and de- definitely went with some of the, the off-season conditioning work he's been putting in. Apparently, he's put on you know a good amount of weight, uh, supposedly up to like two thirty. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like a quarterback that that looks good. 
and, you know, I always go back to bedazzled, you know, if you, you look good, you play good. Uh, and I think we played pretty good. I, I, I like that the, um, the image there with, with Shuck, um, were there were there any surprises to, to anybody on that list of captains for this year? I mean, for me, I, I would just throw out like McLean Mannix. I'm sorry, definitely sorry. that one, and then also uh, Caleb Rogers too. Yeah, so with Mannix, like you know, he's played you know just a handful of snaps the time he's been here. He's, he's listed as a senior. That caught me off guard. Uh, that he's already, you know, that, that far progressed in his career. Um, you know, and, and, and until it's been, you know, a little bit of trying to break through the roster, but also some health uh, concerns. But if he's at a point now where he's going to be able to produce and be considered a captain for this team, I, I think it's a big step forward and definitely helps uh, in, in the receiver group that, you know, at least for me, I've kind of, not necessarily like written him off, but just kind of just forgotten about him. Just kind of replaced his his spot in my head with, with you know a bunch of the other guys that are there. Uh, and then you know like what the other guy that that Seth mentioned, Caleb Rogers, not somebody that you know is is on on the tip of my tongue when I'm thinking about talking about the offensive linemen uh, in that group because you know I, I think of Dawson Deaton uh, and I think of the transfer from TCU to TJ Storman. Or anybody else have any, any surprises there for the captains? I mean, I didn't really have any surprises on there. It's just I'm still adjusting to the sheer number of captains. Wells is Wells is all in on fielding an entire team with a couple of subs of captains, which, I mean, that's fine. That's great because he, he kind of pretty much covers every position group in, in order to do that, but Something, and I don't think you've mentioned it, but probably one of the biggest takeaways for me, Wells mentioned just kind of in passing in his opener that Seth Collins and Rico Jeffers were a full go, which I kind of expected. But then he also dropped that Eric Azukama was a full go, which makes sense because, you know, then there's video of him practicing and and everything. So I, I was hesitant to expect him in week one and um, you know, even to get some reps at all on the field, but for us to be three weeks before or how many days are we Kyle? How many days exactly Um, are we out? 24 when this publishes. Okay. Okay. So we are 24 days away and our star wide out, or is it split? What, what would, what would Don say? Spencer split in (laughs) Our, our star split in is available. And that's really great news. That was one of the, the, the biggest things I noticed. And of course, you know, he, his update on Thompson, just that he's doing well, he's, he's doing the, it didn't sound like any negative report there. And that's about all we can hope for at this point is that he just continues to recover as quick as he can safely. Was, yeah, with, with, with Thompson, it, it sounded like it was more like it was it was still on track, and you know whether or not he was going to be able to participate or you know provide any kind of time or snaps in game one was still kind of up in the air. But but there hadn't been any setbacks. Um, but that you know the guys you mentioned, Seth Collins, Jeffers, and Eric Ezukama were ready to go. The Ezukama news, like um, you know, we, we heard like I, I, it may have been the last practice or 
like really close going into the spring game when when we heard he broke his arm. It was like apparently like really bad. Um, and my thought was like, well, you know, a broken bone heals in eight weeks. And, you know, he had surgery, but you, you also got to consider a lot of that time, you know, he'd be missing out on, on some of the, the conditioning and working out and spending the time getting to work with the other receivers, with the, the quarterbacks. So it's good to hear that, that they're, they're a full go. They'll be able to, that those guys are able to, to participate and move forward. Um, with Seth Collins, it's kind of post this question. Do you guys see a role for him? Uh, at Texas Tech, or you know, is he going to be able to to break through and and, and play anywhere this year? Or just another guy that um, is on the depth chart. Well, first off, it's Doctor Seth Collins because he's been in college. I think I think this legitimately might be his seventh season. So I don't know if he actually has a PhD or not, but he's got to be close by now between the time he spent at Oregon State and arriving here, but um, I did read on redraidersports.com that he was at least going to figure into the two deep at safety, and, you know, so hopefully he gets some playing time there and, you know, maybe on special teams as well, and he was a quarterback at Oregon State and then a receiver here, so I mean, obviously a guy who can do several different things, and so, I don't know, part of me thinks they'll find some kind of role for him, even if it's not a, a huge one. He seems like a kind of guy who can um, fill in in a couple couple different spaces if they need him in certain scenarios and a uh, guy who I think deserves to be on the field after all he's been through injury wise so I sure hope that you know he carves out a role for himself on this I thought for sure that Collins would at some point be kind of like a who is Michael starts you know is he on the roster again this year kind of joke where he just never goes away, ever. Uh, and the same thing for Xavier Martin, where it seems like he is, he's he's been on the team for a really, really long time, but really not had the opportunity to do very much. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of like Kyle, just for all the stuff he's been through, I kind of hope that he gets to play a little bit. Uh, and same thing with Xavier Martin, which is our our teammate Dan's favorite quarterback player. Shout out Dan in Iowa right now. So, um, and, and also we have Brian and, and LeBear also on, uh, uh, in the waiting room. So it's like we've got a complete party here and I'm so excited about that. Yeah, we're just missing Dan, but when, when you mentioned Xavier, I, I definitely thought it was like, you know, if, if this man ever makes it on the field and, and plays it down, Dan may not let us hear the end of it, how he's been behind him <laughs> the entire time. Uh, Xavier Martin has been his – the president of the fan club here is Dan Swanny. Uh, and just, you know, sorry to hear that Dan was traveling and, as he put it, stuck out in Iowa for the week. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you'd want to see guys that, that have been – uh, committed to a program long enough that you know they're they're here several years even though they're not participating not not playing uh, downs we don't see that very often these days when you know guys don't break through the, the too deep that they're they're quick to go find uh, another opportunity but you know Kyle mentioned this is Seth Collins' seventh season on campus it reminds me of one of the the Morales brothers from the offensive line back in the end of Tuberville's time. Uh, one of them was here, I think, for legitimately six or seven years, too. 
uh, and Xavier Martin, who's gone through probably three or four position changes that you, you want to see them kind of find a role um, and be able to play for a team that they've worked so hard with for so long. Um, so before we, I guess next up, um, now that we've kind of seen the, or, you know, we've heard some reports back from media day and the, the start to preseason camp. Um, I want to kind of go around the room here and, and kind of get everybody's thoughts and gauge your, how deeply you're drinking the, the Kool-Aid for 2021 and see like, you know, were, were we legitimately just a few plays away from being a bowl team or better last year? And is that, is that something we can look at this year and say um, that much more experience, we're just that much better. Like it won't come down to those plays or, or you're saying we still have those same kind of decision makers in place. Nothing's really going to change. So obviously last year, um, you won some close games against bad competition. You were in a couple of close games. You, you blew leads against good teams. So I, it, it was really difficult to, to track this team last year, um, to, to, to figure out where it was heading. Um, but let me start with Michael. Where, where do you feel this team is at going into, you know, three weeks out from game one for 2021? I hate it. I hate myself for this, but I'm getting, I'm getting excited guys. I'm getting excited. I'm seeing the depth that was brought in on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. I'm, I'm seeing positive movements on the offensive line. I think some guys have shifted around that are a little bit more places are more comfortable for them. I've seen the tweets that Seth posted on stake in the planes a while back of just the training that these guys have undergone and the transformations they've made. And of course, everyone has had the same quote unquote normal off season. So that's not like it's an advantage, but I'm buying it as an advantage. Uh, sure. Why not? But I'm feeling probably more optimistic than I have in a long time. And I'm scared and I want someone to talk me down. So in short, um, I mean, to bring up what you said, you know, tech lost a close one. Against Texas, of course, uh, lost, you know, got trounced by OU. I don't see that changing a whole lot, but you know, there's there's these games. Baylor's not going to be that much better. Uh, Tech was able to take care of them. Oklahoma State, Tech hosts them. Weird things have happened when Oklahoma State has come to Lubbock the last couple times. Uh, there's Kansas. I mean, I just I see this team making a bowl game. That's that's all I'm getting at. I'm going to stop now and I, I will uh, lead the. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, this is more going to be an egg on my face, but it was a few weeks ago and, and the recording I was, I was talking about, I was looking at the schedule. I was like, please, please don't, don't shoot me. But like, I was thinking this team could be six and one heading up to Norman. And then I laughed. I was like, there's no way that that's going to be possible. Um, but I, I was kind of, you know, talking myself into those matchups. Okay, well, you've got Baylor and West Virginia. Like you, you, the the schedule is kind of backloaded in terms of like once you hit game seven or eight, whatever it is with Oklahoma, then you kind of hit the, the meat and, and difficulty in your schedule. Um, 
you know, and and it, it could play out where you you end up six and six. You win your first six games, you lose your last six, whatever. Um, but there was definitely some confidence on my end. Uh, looking at the schedule, feeling pretty good, knowing that you know we've seen five game losing streaks and just feeling the the, the crushing defeat and all of that. Um, but at this point, I'm I, I mean. Until I see them against Houston, like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. Um, you know, I'm not like I, I don't know what you're going to see on offense, right? Because what we saw in the spring was was very watered down. You didn't get a lot of shuck. You didn't get uh, a lot of time with the offense under Kakumbi. And of course, it's just your team versus your team, right? You're not going to see a whole lot there. Um. But I'm interested to see, like, once things open up a little bit uh, and just kind of either confirm my my confidence or be like, nope, this is kind of where I thought we would be last year. Because I, I, I know heading into last year, years before, like, I was very down and very negative and saying this team's not going to win very many games. Um, but I've, I've bought in on, on a lot of the transfers, a lot of the just general talent upgrade. So where are you, Kyle, on, on where this team is heading into Houston in three weeks? I have made a conscious decision this offseason not to sip the Kool-Aid. Okay. And even as we get into August, I am not drinking the Kool-Aid, but I am chugging it. And <laughs> kind of like Michael, I'm nervous for that. Um. Because, I mean, I swore it off last year. I was like, they're not going to reel me back in until, you know, they prove that something has changed. You know, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And, uh, yeah, I did the same thing. I looked at the schedule and I was like, well, you know, hey, we could be 8-0, you know, when we roll into Norman, which is kind of ridiculous to think that because you've only won eight games combined the last two seasons. But um, but I do think, you know, on a, on a serious level that, that you could be improved. Um, and, and so much of that depends on um, one, Tyler Shuck, two, Sonny Cumbie, and then three, the two of them together. Because I think the scheme, the offensive scheme could certainly improve based on what we saw the last two years. Um, and in David Yost's defense, I think he was maybe a little bit limited by personnel, both on the offensive line and at the quarterback position. Um, I think based on what I've seen and read about Shuck, that he has a higher ceiling and is more talented than what we've seen at the quarterback position the last several years. And so if Cumbie can tap into that and maximize that through his coaching and through his scheme, I think you could see a huge leap forward on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and that could put you in a position to have a, a pretty good season, especially compared to kind of how down we've been for several years now. Um, you know, being realistic, I hope to see us, I, I think a good season for me would be top half in the big 12. Um, the last time you had a winning record in conference play was 2009. And so even though five and four doesn't sound that sexy in big 12, I think if you could reach that, it'd be a considerable milestone, just kind of given what you've done the past decade. And I think that's possible. I think they've got a favorable home schedule. Um, you know, you're, you're probably not going to beat OU no matter where you play them. And so 
you know, you throw that one out on the road and then you get some of those more toss up type games in Lubbock, like Kansas state, Oklahoma state. Um, I think TCU's in Lubbock this year. So, you know, if there's a good crowd and if they get a little bit of momentum, I can see them hopefully, like I said, my kind of target for what I would consider a good season and evidence of them turning the corner is a winning record in big 12 play. And uh, even though I told myself I wouldn't drink the Kool-Aid, I, I have, um, I got caught with the, the door to the refrigerator open and I'm chugging it straight out of the pitcher, which I shouldn't do. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of what I, I think is their ceiling. But, um, you know, we've seen a lot of evidence of just not being able to execute, not being able to win close games. And so if that lingers, I mean, you could easily go four and eight and five and seven again. And I hope that's not the case. Yeah, so looking at the schedule, just really quick as a reminder, like you start off with, with Houston, then you play SFA and Florida International. You, it's not completely backloaded. You do have Texas there in September. Um, but then you've got West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, and Kansas State. And, like, forgive me for not thinking that, like, you can and probably, like, it's not out of the realm of expectation, like, that you shouldn't expect to win all four of those games. The the one that sticks out obviously for me is Kansas State because you haven't been able to do anything with them for several years. Um, and West Virginia like keeps showing like they may be improving, and then you beat them with a bad team, um, and you do it, and it looks easy. It's like it's like I don't I'm not exactly sure where West Virginia is, but looking at that schedule, you know I'm I'm, I'm trying to say okay Houston maybe a toss up. Um, but then SFA, Florida International, that's two. I feel confident about West Virginia, TCU, Kansas. At that point, you're at five. Like, and that's not counting Houston or Texas, Kansas State. So, like, it, I, I look at that and it sets up. It's like, I don't know where to feel iffy about the the schedule. But I've also gone into thinking that before and then, like, we we lose to Houston and then we play a really sucky game against SFA or or we you know we get blown up by Texas and you know four games in we're two and two uh and we're feeling really bad about ourselves. We lose an ugly game to West Virginia, TCU. Like it, it, on the flip side, as much as as much confidence as I as I've had talking about the start of the schedule, it could also be extremely ugly going into to Norman. So I guess rounded out with Seth we're, as as we're you know just a few weeks away from the opener down in Houston, where where are you at with this team and the the way the schedule kind of sets up to start the season? So, like everyone else, I simply do not care if I am completely on board with thinking that this team's going to be better than maybe preseason predictions have indicated. So. Uh, I don't really care. I really have nothing to lose. I have neither credibility to either gain or lose as a result of my preseason prediction, so it really doesn't matter. And so uh, so to me, it's contingent upon two things. I, I think that the secondary is going to be pretty decent. I think the linebackers are decent. I think that we need the defensive line to not be soup cans, so that's pretty important. They need to actually do something – in particular, uh, get sacks. So if they can do that, then I think that 
they'll be really, really good. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, the one thing that, um, you know, on the Athlon sports things that opposing coaches say about uh, Texas Tech. Well, the one thing that they said about Tech and in particular about TCU was that Meacham was the one that was calling plays. And so if Meacham was the one that was calling plays last year, then basically we kind of have a situation where they were blaming that offense on Cumbie pretty significantly, I think. And so if that really wasn't Cumby, and if Cumby's going to do some things that maybe he wasn't really permitted to do while at TCU, then maybe we see something that resembles the old, a little bit more air raid, but with some implementation of the tight ends and maybe some more running backs and all that other good stuff. So, so to me, those, like, it all hinges on that because I think that we're actually replacement level player kind of situation at every position with like receiver being solid, running back being solid, quarterback being solid, linebacker being solid, secondary being solid. And really the lines are probably the biggest question. And even then, if Caleb Rogers has really come on and it was kind of trial by fire for him, if he can play better than Berger did at right tackle last year, then that's a significant upgrade and a storment can play better than Rogers who was at left tackle. Then yeah, I, I think that things are going to be significantly better. So um, I would say, too, that uh, I have to jet. I've got to get my boys to bed. And as you guys know, I have to get up like at 3.30 or 4 in the morning. So um, it was awesome talking to you guys. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks a ton for coming on. Yeah, for sure. We, we, We definitely appreciate you jumping on and sharing your thoughts with us. Absolutely. Guys, take care. Love y'all all. All right. All you right. too, brother. Hey, I wanted to to piggyback a little bit. I listened to the Solid Verbal this week, and they had a pretty good preview of Texas Tech. Although we do need to tell them that Columbia's not pronounced Columbi. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But they had a theory that Tech could sneak up on people because they have something they call the letdown look-ahead sandwich. And I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not, but, you know, a couple of games that are kind of question marks or that we might chalk up as a loss like Iowa State. Well, Iowa State plays Texas at home November 6th. And then two weeks later, they go to Norman. And this will be November 20th. And this could possibly be for the, you know, first place in the Big 12. But in between that trip, they go from playing uh, UT and Ames, then they come to Lubbock, and then they go to Norman. So there's a chance Tech could catch them off guard. There's a couple of other scenarios like this. Oklahoma State, same way. They play at home against TCU, and then they come to Lubbock and play the week before Bedlam. So there's a chance there they could be looking ahead. Um, I, I thought there was some other one I found that was possibly on the list. But anyway... I found those two, and I thought if there's a way Tech could catch one of the, you know, the top half of the conference teams off guard, that would just be icing on this cake, on this Kool-Aid cake that we've all battered and made for ourselves. We've got it in the oven. All we've got to do is turn it on and commit. It's just right there. 
Yeah, so you all know that I'm a big fan of the solid verb. I hadn't caught that yet, but that does make sense with Texas Tech, the way the, play, the schedule works out for these other teams. They've got big games before and or after. Um, and it, it happens at least twice, maybe even three times, that Texas Tech is that middle game in, in those schedules. Um, you know, if there is some improvement that you, you can catch a team like Iowa State um, – or Oklahoma, I, I, I think you're probably a little more realistic in, in, in catching Oklahoma State than Iowa State. Um, but, I mean, it, the game last year didn't feel all that out of hand uh, against Iowa State other than, like, there were just some some really untimely penalties uh, that helped kill drives and, like, your offense in the first half just non-existent. And then, you know, we all, you know, we all had the issues with, with uh, Wells kind of w- waving the white flag going into halftime, like you've got plenty of time to, to, to try to put a drive together, and, and you didn't. Um, you know, yes, it was frustrating that like you weren't you weren't able to do anything, but that game, I mean, revisionist history now, that didn't feel like like you were being blown out. Like some years, it just felt like you know, fourteen points down to to, to the Cyclones. Like okay, that game's over. Um. But yeah, I mean, I just, you know, w- without without having spent you know ridiculous amount of times researching, like, okay, how is how is Texas looking this this summer uh, going in, into the fall? West Virginia team, like the game, the teams that should be around you in the standings, where where you should be able to to, to punch up and grab these games, um, you know, it looking at where they were last year, how the games went last year, and then my confidence in what Texas Tech has been able to do since then. Like that middle group of the of the schedule, for me, seems favorable as of August tenth. So, um, I'm I'm just setting myself for disappointment. This is how we Texas Tech fans, you know, operate. Um, you all know that that we we kind of overestimate our improvement year to year, and then we get there, we're like, actually, maybe. Just maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were. Um, or you, you get a game against, you know, like a Kansas State where you, you feel pretty good going in um, and n- nothing works. And it's like everything's piled up against you. You're like, well, that sucked. Uh, you know, you lose a game where you felt like you had a good shot to win. That's why they play the game. Uh, as they all say, it's not played on, you know, it's not decided on paper. So, Interested to see how, how this works out. Um, I did hear Kyle made plans and arrangements to go down to the game in Houston. Looks like we're going to have a, a party down there of staking the planes with Brian and Dan. I think Seth is making the trip. Michael Labar may also be making the trip. Uh, I've heard they're going to go crash um, BJ Simmons tailgate party so you have to let us know how that works out Kyle but any other thoughts of, of, of the the 2021 season or how other summer's going before we wrap this thing up I just had one other thought you know as you were talking there um, looking at the quarterback position across the conference there's a few teams that have you know really bona fide um, quarterback situations Spencer Rattler at OU obviously Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State going into his third year as a starter. Brock Purdy going into his, I guess, fourth year as a starter. 
all, you know, very known quantities. Um, Texas will have a new starting quarterback. Baylor will have a new starting quarterback. Um, Kansas State gets Skylar Thompson back. He's, I think, pretty good. Um, he's one of those guys that you don't like playing. And that's where I think this, you know, Tyler Shuck being a little bit of a wild card comes in. Like, if he can help us punch up a little bit against one or two of those squads that has an experienced, good quarterback, um, that'll go a long way. And, you know, I certainly expect him, based on what little we do know about him, you know, to hopefully put us in a better situation than a school like Baylor or um, obviously Kansas, maybe West Virginia. Like, we kind of know what Jared Daigie is. So I'm curious to see where he stacks up, you know, because that's such an important position. And, um, you know, in 2015 and 2016, we had the best quarterback in the country and had nothing to show for it, really. And uh, last couple of years, we've probably been closer to the bottom of the conference in quarterback play. So I'm really interested when it all shakes out, like, is he the third best quarterback in the Big 12 or is he the seventh or eighth best? And I think that'll go a long way. And I think there's a really – wide gap between what Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State have at quarterback and what, you know, Baylor, Texas, Kansas have in terms of experience. And so I'm just curious how Shuck fits into that and, and how well he plays. And I think that'll be a huge determining factor in what our season looks like. Yeah, and the other, the other thing when you're talking about that was just the guys around him too. Like it feels like um, – just the, the position groups as a whole is all kind of taking, you know, steps forward that, you know, it's not all just on, on, on Shuck. Um, you know, we obviously saw some some great struggles there along the offensive line last year. Um, and, you, you know, you're, you're hearing about some of the improvement, at least in depth, and going out and getting the, the transfer from, from TC, TJ Storman, and making some moves along the line to hopefully solidify that. But then you look at the the running backs since Roger Thompson and Shadarius Townsend and Taj Brooks, Xavier White, you're like, that's that's a really strong group. And the receivers, you know, is Okanma and, and, and all those guys just like, yes, the receivers need a, a good quarterback to give them the ball, but like there's there's a lot of talent around them that maybe Shuck doesn't have to be the second or third best quarterback in the conference for the offense to do a lot better than they did last year and to be able to put you – more solidly in, in these games where traditionally your offense has struggled or, um, you know, where, where, where you need, you know, the, an entire complete team performance to, to put away a Kansas state or uh, to really compete with, you know, the Iowa state and Oklahoma and Texas, and Oklahoma state. Um, and then, you know, on defense, again, it's just like, you know, where, where's everybody, at with the the depth that you're pulling in with the the transfers, you know, are they leaving these programs because they, they weren't able to get the playing time they wanted or just there's just a, a situation that helped them seek out. So um, I think, you know, as, as much as we like to look down against Houston, I think game one is going to be a great uh, measuring stick to, to see um, – a little bit about where this team is at, uh, you know, with, with, with the changes and obviously with all the players that we've already mentioned and the offensive scheme, um, you know, you feel like you don't know anything about this team. You do know that Keith Patterson and the defense has continued to, to improve 
in, you know, obviously want to see where those those new guys, the transfers, are going to be. Um, you know, it, as long as you're not, you know, rolling out against Houston, uh, and then not competing and looking, you know, very outclassed. Uh, I think there's a there's a lot to learn in that game uh, to to really inform how the rest of the season is going to go. Michael, you got any uh, any parting shots? Sorry, man. Hey, can y'all hear me? Yeah, you're good, man. Oh, out of nowhere, I lost your audio. I couldn't hear you anymore, so I came back and I left the room and came back. Anyway, we're back here. I was just asking just about like the the parting shots here, wrapping up the show. Um. Looking ahead to the nothing really. couple weeks. The, nothing really right now. Right. I'm I'm really anxious <laughs> to see this team play. And um, I would just like to throw out something. You know, Kyle mentioned how we had the best quarterback in the country in 2015 and 16. But we also had one of the worst, if not the worst, defenses those years that Tech has ever fielded. And so I like to think – you know, if if we could put this defense with Mahomes' offense, um, I think we would have seen a lot of success. I I have a, a lot of hope in this defense. I think they took some big steps next this next season or last season. And I, it seems like I think it was Rob Bro who was tweeting it. It seems like the magic magic number is twenty eight points. If they could hold teams for less than twenty eight points, which sounds easier than it is, then uh, I think Tech's really up for setting themselves up for a good season. Um, aside from that, all I wanted to mention, I went to Abuelos tonight, and the Laredo still hits. It's a beautiful treat. Beef enchilada, cheese enchilada, crunchy taco. Get them papas, fellas. Yeah, I was going to I was going to see how you want to wrap up and talk about what we learned. Um you know, you, you mentioned the Laredo, just that 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 treat there. Um, we we've had a. It, it's been a long time since we've had good tamales uh, in, in in the Rogers household, but uh, my mom has a tamale lady, and we, we've had it now two nights in a row on on our vacation. We had it last night tonight, and for the the three of us adults and. Uh, you know, my, my oldest son claims he doesn't like it. Um, the youngest has had a full tamale at both of these meals. <laughs> we, we, we've demolished these, these uh, tamales and it's just, um, he's not under, even a year old yet, is he? No, no, he's, he'll, he'll be a year, uh, middle ish of September. Um, but yeah, so one, the, the kid eats like, you know, he probably eats more than the seven-year-old does, but just the the underrated uh, and under understated value of having a go-to tamale vendor, you know, whoever that is, yeah, because um, tamales always hit. Kyle, did you learn anything this week? Yeah, I, get, I was sitting there racking my brain. I was like, I guess I need a food take now to put a bow on this because this is where food and sports clash at the goal line. Um, I will say on uh, on Saturday, 
I was at Yano Estacado Winery for their annual Salsa and Sangria Festival, a uh, COVID casualty last year, but it was back this year. And they had about eight or nine local salsa vendors. And, of course, you get to sample it all. And if you like it, you can buy a jar of salsa. And so um, I got – this guy had good uh, salsa verde and uh, like a really smoky red salsa. I think it's called Johnny G's. Yes, but, uh, I've had that. I've had his yeah. stuff. Yeah, really good local salsa. So um, He sells it well, out of his house. Yeah, he like – it was funny. He told me, he like gave me a card. He's like, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook. We mostly just like goof off on there. It's not very professional. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think anyone would care as long as, you know, your salsa tastes good. Um, so anyway, if uh, folks in Lubbock have never been to that, uh, it's usually, usually in July, I guess it was in August this year, but that's a fun event. Great salsa, great sangria. It's all in the name. And uh, so, yeah, I had a good time there. And that's my food take. Kyle, I had, I had one more question for you. Okay. I've heard there's I've heard there's a new podcast going to debut. I didn't know if you knew anything about it or were willing to to tease a little bit about it. I, I didn't know if this was a time to share that or not. Yeah, so there is a new podcast um, coming online for Texas Tech fans. I just didn't think that using y'all's podcast was the best platform for that, and so I wasn't going to mention that Gambling Gauchos featuring Rob Bro and Kyle Jacobson launches this week and. I wasn't going to mention that some are saying it'll be the best gambling Texas Tech podcast that's on the internet right now. Um, I just didn't want to bring all that up on y'all's podcast. So we appreciate the courtesy sooner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, if you would have said that, I would have really, I would have really been so hot. I'd have been. Yeah, so I mean, mad. I'm not, I'm not going to hop on y'all's podcast and tell everybody to go follow at Gambling Gauchos on Twitter. I mean, that's just not <sighs> appropriate. So I'm just not even going to say it. I mean, it's a good thing we quit recording because. Spencer would just have to cut all this because I'm just steaming, <laughs> steam out of my ears, man. Well, yeah, and what we need to do is a crossover episode sometime, and where food and sports and gambling clash at the goal line, and oh my all gosh. four of us need to do a, just, a big fight. That's just opulence. I'm I'm all in. Let's do it. Sounds good. We'll we'll figure out a time to do that for sure this year. Yes, sir. Well, it, it definitely sets up since we're also going to be doing a pregame show with, with Rob Bro himself. So the four of us uh, providing lots of Texas Tech and uh, content in general, I think it's going to be great. I, I'm excited to hear your, your guys' uh, podcast when that comes out. Um, the, the, the Twitter is obviously already live and rolling with the daily appreciation posts going through the countdown to kickoff. Um, Michael, I, I want I want I'm sorry to, to go back one more time. You mentioned the the pulse of the people poll from Bro uh, a couple of days ago when he asked everybody, he's like, "Hey, would you rather have the offense for sh- for sure score 38 points or the defense not give up more than 28 points?" Um, that was where I, yeah, that was where I got the 28. And I, I voted and, defense. So so did I, and and one because like it's been such a long time since since you've had a defense not give up thirty or something points. Um, but it was it was interesting to see just how heavily weighted offense still is. You know, we talk about bringing Cumbia back or not back. Well, I guess back, but bringing another air raid guy back in into in Texas Tech, and just how everybody's so hyper focused on the offense again. Like, okay, we need to score forty points a game. It's like. Well, if you're if you're giving up 28, 
um, you know, you're, you're bound to be doing a whole lot better than you've seen the past few years. Cause I think he said, bro said that you haven't had a defense give up fewer than 28 points going back to, I think 2009, which another year of success that we pointed to when Kyle was talking about the, the conference records last time you had a winning record. Um, so it's just one of those things where like, you know, I, I would rather have the defense give up fewer than 28 points. Um, but apparently there's a, a pretty big majority vote for, for offense there. So with that, guys, thanks uh, to, to Kyle and to Seth for joining us live. Brian and Michael Labar checking out the room with us, helping us test this thing. If you're catching the, the recording, uh, you can download and join us on Spotify Green Room. We will be going live Saturday evenings post-game for our instant reaction. Uh, it's live, audio-only sports talk platform. You'll join on with us. Uh, give your thoughts and reactions to the game. All you got to do is search for me, Spencer Rogers, or Michael McDonald. Follow us, link your Twitter, and then be notified when we go live. Jump on, talk about the game with us afterwards. Um, and then obviously thanks to Kyle and Seth for jumping on and, and uh, interacting and helping us produce this, this show this week. So for Michael, uh, for Seth, for Kyle. Thanks for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. We'll catch you next time.